Hello, and welcome to episode 187 of Relics of War. I'm your host, Grybuck, and joining me this evening are my fine co-hosts, Vrabin and Spirit. How are you doing this week, Vrabin? Doing pretty well. Glad I could make it this time, and as always, glad to be here. Yeah, it's always good to have you on the show. And uh, Spirit, how are you doing this evening? I am doing wonderfully, actually. I'm getting down on Friday, as it were, in the future. <laughs> yes, your future time. That just makes me sad that it's not Friday here, but uh, it's okay. It will be soon. Uh, so this week, we are mostly going to be doing sort of a follow-up to last week, or a part two of the massive seasonal patch that we got. So we left off last week having talked about the general map design of Bloodstone Fen and the first couple of story instances uh, getting the spoiler warning out of the way. We are going to be talking about the last parts of the story instances, so if you haven't done them and you care about spoilers, uh, they're just going to come at random, so you know, may want to tune so out. So finish the story and then listen to this episode. That's right. If if you care about those things. Uh, if you're fine with some spoilers, then, you know, by all means. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about the non-story elements, but the sort of quality of life and or balance changes with things like fractals and raids and all that jazz. So since Vrabin was not on the show last week, would you like to lead off talking some about the story including if you want any parts of the story that we did cover, your thoughts on any of that? Um, I like the story. It was nostalgic and new at the same time. I kind of feel like blowing up Bloodstone Fen was in some ways a convenient way to not have to go back to certain things, though I don't know if they did that intentionally or not. But all in all, I liked it. Um, uh, the memori- We started out with the memorial, I think, um, when the story you got to go to Ayers Memorial, and it was nice to see that... Uh, um, the the puppy. He's not a puppy. He's a dire wolf. A uh, dire wolf. A dire wolf puppy. A dire wolf puppy. Um, Garm. It's nice to see Garm come back. I think that was the highlight for me of that little instance. Yeah, um, I know and... a lot of people were sort of uh, felt like Air's death was handled very abruptly in Heart of Thorns, and then it, and then on top of that, Garm just sort of disappeared. So it was really nice to... I think there were a lot of people that were sort of like, but what what happened to him? Like, he's just as much of a character as she is. So... Yeah. yeah. So it was good to see that. Um, I'm not sure what's up with Bram, and I think I said back, you know, when um, Hot came out, I didn't really get Bram's, you know, reaction to just going off and shaving his head in the first place. You know, it seems like maybe something you've got to do, but do it after, you know, the war zone is over. And then he's up in the mountains just blowing off steam. I think he's got anger issues. I mean, anger issues, abandonment issues. A lot of issues. Yeah, their relationship is complicated. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't don't resonate with Bram's character, but I hope that, you know, I guess other people probably do. Um, And that was just weird to me, but like I said, don't resonate with him. Um, What else happened? Then we made it to Bloodstone Fen because... Oh, no, Timey! I'm sorry, that was an awesome part as well. Got to see Timey again, and she can give you the update. I think Timey is one of the characters that is really um, growing, and people seem to be attaching to more than the other characters we had in Living Story. Would you guys agree or disagree on that? Absolutely agree. Uh, I agree. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Also, on a side note, she's actually growing. The developers confirmed that she's getting taller. That's super cute! Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Uh, I mentioned men- meant to mention that last episode. Also, I would actually go one step further than that and say not only is she the character from, what is it, Dragon's Watch is now the official name. I'm still going to maybe not call it. Is it Dragon's that. Watch? Yeah, I believe so. Um, but... I think that was the best out of three we had to choose, honestly. Yeah. 
you're not wrong. But I would go so far as to say that she is not only the most well-received slash liked member of that at this point, but also probably the favorite Asura of all of the Asura that are at least living. Okay. I was going to say Snap, but you want to say at least uh, living. I gotta, snap, yeah. never forget. Yeah, I was just going to say that if, if nobody else did. Um, but yeah, I mean, she... I have a well-known historical bias against uh, Asura because I think that they're miserable, insufferable know-it-alls that are extremely obnoxious. And... Well, Snap had a personality disorder. Yeah. When it well, comes to being Asura. Yeah, and Timey is not that, so I like that. I like Timey a lot. But uh, anyway, so yeah, and then we get to Bloodstone Fen, and then what we didn't cover last week was where you sort of do the investigation at the bottom of the giant... Uh, explosion pit and sort of do the reunion with Kate and the uh, recreation of the whatever went down and caused the bloodstone to yeah, explode. Yeah, the explosion and the cool shadows that we saw in Iron Man 3 of, you know, cool depending on your perspective, like body ash or something, grease spots. It's gross. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... I got, that's oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I got actual morbid like shivers when, that, when I saw those for the first time and realized what they were. That was dark in a way that guild wars 2 has not gone before well because that's i don't I mean, know those are I those think... are like nuclear fallout shadows like yeah the, like that's a real thing it is a real thing but i thought it was just as dark and it was weird i think i talked about this earlier way back when we we're getting living story um episode i'm maybe wrong episode three season two when mortar monsters first started coming out and we were seeing dead people and cats and zura in the vines and you yeah, know, like there's people hanging yeah, like hanging. I thought that that gave me a little bit of shivers. And the weird thing was it. The weird. I'm sorry. The weird thing for me was you know it was kind of jumping between humor and all of a sudden there's someone hanging dead and it's like oh it was just a weird jarring transition to me. So I guess I felt that there and didn't it didn't affect me as much on the the, the shadow things. I just thought it was really cool actually to sort of incorporate a real world phenomenon with yeah. with the sort of magical equivalent of a nuclear bomb. Like mm-hmm. I I I kind of liked the sort of source material reference for that, if you will. Yeah, that's cool. And this gets me on a whole other tangent, something that is not even directly related to Guild Wars. But I'm kind of sad in fantasy stuff in general, taking that real-world scientific route. It's like taking the magic out of magic. Like, if there, if this is all equivalencies for something we know, and these are obviously look at magic like science, I'm like, why can't it be magical? But I don't know. It's just a personal gripe. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean... Personally, I'm a fan of when magic has rules and can be explored. Like, I, I've always had a problem, especially with a type of magic that is very, I guess you would call it arcane feeling, where it's got a lot of, like, symbols mm-hmm. and gestures. It's like, the, like, if it's not some sort of science that can be understood and deduced, then effectively that would just make that trial and error. And, like, how would anybody ever come up with any of those things yeah, that's cool. Random, but when they put like, it all into a box and everything's known, as long as you do good storytelling, and I'm not saying Guild Wars hasn't done this, um, but as long as you do good storytelling and limits are broken and new things are discovered, I guess it is like real science that way, or it should be, if it's done in a good way. Yeah, well, the thing the thing that... Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Brandon Sanderson, and one of his big, one of his big writing uh, things is that you shouldn't... You shouldn't um, Let's see. The degree to which the heroes should be able to use magic to solve their problems should be directly proportional to how well the rules of that magic are understood by the audience, because otherwise it basically just feels like a deus ex machina Mm cop-out. 
um which doesn't mean that you have to have very explicit rules for your magic it just means that if you don't have very explicit rules they shouldn't be it magic shouldn't be solving your major problems because then there's sort of no narrative tension um but that this is a this is a huge tangent you're right <laughs> it is a huge tangent but it's interesting to think about at least yeah for sure and i mean that's the thing is like and and i think that it to tie it back into guild wars is where some of the criticism comes from with some of the magical solutions that you have mm-hmm. to defeat these dragons it's like or like casmir what what do you mean just like how she has hacks portals <laughs> yeah hacks portals so that's basically what i meant yeah um yeah, like that's. I think that that sort of describes the situation. Why sometimes people feel unsatisfied by the conclusion to you know defeating these dragons and stuff. It's like people people got mad at how you defeated Mordremoth because basically you just said like, well, you know, wibbly wobbly, mindy magicy. Turn the like, tables. We found his weak spot. Yeah, like by invading his mind magically, even though he's supposed to be a force of nature, like incomprehensible to mortal minds. Like, how does that work? And they're like magic that's like well i mean i i guess <laughs> like you can yeah so i mean yeah. and they had to kill to but we'll get to that later <laughs> well i mean we can talk about that with regard to the memorial well let's let's actually say that because that's that yeah, has to do yeah. with our uh reader mail um but yeah where were we getting into bloodstone fen yeah getting into bloodstone fen and and the nuclear fallout shadows slash reenactment um uh yeah i don't know i how did you feel about the reintroduction of kate back into um sort of back into the story slash her attempted makeup with uh, you i just uh like kate again her attempted makeup i don't know i don't know what you can say if you're kate at this point try to try to garner some trust or re- reassure anyone or get any trust back yeah it's just, i it was nice to sort of hear her side of it because she's been very, uh, I don't know, to me it seems sort of preteen in her her attitude where she's like, no, I got it, you know, I don't need any help, I'm going off and just doing things in the jungle and you can't stop me. Just I don't know, like her her whole attitude, I didn't I didn't understand or like any of it, and so it was kind of nice to get her rationale behind it and just hear from her how she felt about it because. Even though we had, you know, turned her back, to, you know, not necessarily turned her back to our side, but uh, wrangled her finally towards the end of Heart of Thorns, you never really had that moment to be like, what the crap, yo? <laughs> like, why did this, why have you done all this? And so it was nice to sort of have that moment. And one thing I liked, and a lot of people are really commending about the story, is that your your actual character isn't necessarily buying it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, yeah, whatever, okay, it doesn't matter what you did, you know, is is so ridiculous that I'm not sure I can handle it kind of thing. So, I mean, like, what, can you just, like, give me a little refresher? Because I played it, but but you talking about hearing her side of it, like, to me, I don't even remember what her side of it was because it just seems super vague and, like, uh, I'm a teenager. I'm like, okay, that sounds exactly like a K thing to say. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> what, what would you say her side of it was that we learned I think uh, it was... Oh, go ahead, Spirit. No, no I better well, I guess... take it, since you're going to talk about raids. Okay. Um, her side was she didn't know if her wild hunt was her wild hunt, or if it was Mordormoth's voice. I think that was her biggest point, wasn't it? Yeah, she. the line that stood out to me is she said it was all sort of shades of gray, you know, yeah. like, I, I couldn't tell who was friend and who was foe, and I, you know, I, I know I should have been leaning on my friends, but I, I literally didn't understand, you know, what was going on, 
and basically, I'm sorry, and I hope you forgive me. Uh, I think there was a lot of, and like, like, like Spirit said, you know, that the teen indecision. I don't know. She's, you know, she's one of the firstborn, so she should be more decisive, I would guess. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, the whole, you know, I don't know what to do, but I'm responsible for everything was kind of like, kind of like if anyone's read the Dresden series. Dresden feels like he's responsible for everyone. I feel like Kate has that feeling, though she doesn't have nearly the... If she had more clairvoyance, maybe. She has very little... Little... Perspective? Per, per, yes, perspective of what's going on, it seems. But she still feels responsible for everyone. So... Yeah, I mean, it just, like, that explanation doesn't really sit with me at all, because it's like, she's saying, well, you know, my mind was maybe being influenced by the dragon, so I didn't know who was friend or foe, but, like... I don't, I mean, that... And that t- kind of clashes with does, what we've learned from what, uh, uh, Kanak. And if you did the, uh, bonus, it's one of the, it's one of the things, the achievements you can get in, which is the story where you find, uh, the city, the, the, the Radonovus. Radonovus, yeah. Yeah, if you have, you always have Kanak. If Kanak's in your party, and you go back up the path at the beginning, you'll meet a Silvari that, or a... Turn Silvari, that is mostly cut from the Dragon's Call, because Kanuk mentions that when you're in Radonovus, you can barely hear Mordromos Call. And that point, at least for Kanuk, he realizes and says, yes, it's a choice. You are weak, you tainted creature, and you deserve to die, because you heeded the call. We can all feel it, but we all have a choice. And when that is brought to us, like, oh, it's clear, you can make a choice, it's hard to buy uh, Cave's, oh, I don't know what is reality and isn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, as far as the, like, having a choice or not, I think that's, it's, uh, that's one of those things that's, that's hard to know exactly, especially since you can't experience it, like, uh, I mean, I kind of, I kind well, of like it Solari, to having... if you play Silvari, I think you, you kind what? of experience, you see, and you're, the commander and Kanak are going back and forth talking about, you know, ability to resist through the whole story when you play it as a Solari. Right, but, like... They so like you have that ability to resist it, but at the same time, there's a lot of Silvari that just like turned instantly. So uh, I sort of likened it to you know like talking about people that have addictions, where it's mm-hmm. like you know it's not a problem for some people, or it's easier or harder to resist for some people. Like it's which is not... a mysterious thing, right? I mean, it's, and, it's, yeah. and like who knows, right? But yeah, it just it just seemed very like I don't know who my friends are. Which, if that means she's not trusting you, that means that she didn't actually trust that you were her friend. Like that's yeah. that's basically what that comes down to. And it's like that's not really an apology. <laughs> like, but she's ambiguous enough with everything. Is that what she really means? I I don't. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't feel like I got any illumination on the situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh. But like you said, we talked about that last week, Spirit and I about. Um, and we've talked about it the last couple weeks about story mm-hmm. in general that it's it's nice when you feel like your character is reacting to the to something in the way that you would react or that you would think that your character would react like when those are in tune instead of sort of feeling like they did it just because that's how they have to move the story forward yeah and i definitely agree that it was good that your character is basically not having very much of that and just sort of like tisk tisking case like like now, mm. but on the flip side, what if there's players that feel they should believe and trust Kate now, and now they're like, "Oh, this is stupid. Why am I treating her so awful?" Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not. Yeah, like I, I guess I meant more. It's it fits for how at least Spirit and I view our characters and view Kate, which is yeah. nice. 
but it, it I agree it fits, but just I was thinking on the flip side, whereas remember back when Canock was not to be trusted, and he's mm-hmm. kind of earned earned his way back, I think, in the sight of the commander. But uh, I felt that he was trustworthy much sooner than Commander did, at least in the thing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's actually that that exact example sprung to my mind, too, of, of when people sort of felt the opposite, where it was like, okay, come on, you need to stop giving this character quite so much crap. But um, I think Canuck's a lot more logical and easier to follow, and that's kind of what we're talking about with Cade, so... Uh, yeah, well, also, Canuck had sort of his, like, start of his redemption arc, um quite early mm-hmm. and in real human physical time we had a lot of time to sort of like process that and allow it where like Kate is only sort of just now apologizing to us and so i think part of it was with kanak in terms of actual like story time slash number of releases it may not have been that many but in the real world it ended up being it was quite a long time time. and so it's like all the players had moved on from that storyline even if like you hadn't actually had that many story instances for your characters to have done it um yeah so anyway um that was that was a that was a huge tangent uh and then yeah and then so the last story instance we had the a part where you fight up to the Coliseum and the minister whose name I'm totally blanking on. Codicus. Thank you. Yeah, Mr. Minister Codicus. And wow, I am totally blanking on names right now. The Mersat guy. The Lazarus the Dyer. Yes, thank you. Lazarus but was he the Lazarus the Dyer in this? When he I, got the reveal? Yeah, spoiler alert, we are talking about Lazarus is back. Yeah, I well I don't know if it had the Dyer, but it's a it, he's definitely yeah. Lazarus. I think he said the Dyer. I was pleased. I will say I was pleased. I was bang on in my prediction where I was like, I bet he'll show up right at the end and we'll just see him and then it'll like set up him as the arc of the, the villain for the story. I was quite pleased with that. I was like, wow, that was that was, that was a good prediction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's nicely done. Um, it seems because that was did you, you sort of you sort of had some of the inklings of that from the from the raids, I take it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is cool. It's that's. Raid storytelling is sort of a controversial subject because of the players who really only want the story and don't want the difficulty in- involved in raids. But on the other hand, like people that do raid, you know, get to have this experience like you've had where you got to have this sort of cool foreshadowing and things like that where you don't really have to have raided for this living story to make sense. But it's, you know, seemingly a lot cooler if you have. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting interesting food for thought on on how, on the balance that they've struck there yeah i was glad to see um lazarus come back but i really want the story to continue i hope this isn't just left behind kind of like i was saying earlier it feels a little bit like maybe they just blew up bloodstone fen that way they wouldn't have to recreate landmarks or things that we saw from guild wars one and i hope that lazarus doesn't just disappear and become something that we come back to you know in years later I hope that there's some substance to him interacting with the dragons or whatever we go next. It doesn't just, you know, go away. I think I think he will be. He's enough of a callback to a big Guild Wars 1 villain, and since we don't actually do anything to address him in this one, like, he sort of yeah. shows up and, you know, sort of thumbs his nose at you and then just disappears. Um, you know, that, that feels, like Spirit said, to be a setup for him being a major villain of the arc. Uh, and I don't know how long that arc will be, but... Uh, I, I don't think he's just going to be sort of a one up, ep- like a one or two episodes and done type of, mm-hmm. which villain. is really exciting because this leads to all kinds of things that we could learn that we've been questioned since Guild Wars One. I mean, we could go into stuff about the Seers that we never figured out. 
Um, the fact that uh, the Radonovus was what's it, was it wasn't Zin that uh, founded Radonovus? I think that's wrong. No, that sounds right. That's it, Zin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Zin and his brother Blim. Zim and Blim. That's what it was. And so uh, we could find because his research in War and Crida back in Guild Wars One allowed the Critons to get uh, infused a little bit so they could withstand the fight against the Mursat. This could harken back to stuff that um, Zin figured out, or Zim. I don't remember if he's a Zin or M there. Um, Stuff that he figured out. It could harken back to all kinds of questions that we've had since you know Guild Wars one ended which i think is great i think it's really exciting to get into some of that old school lore and bring newer players into that lore and maybe actually get some answers and develop the world more i, I like world building and seeing where, where it goes yeah i'm a big fan of callbacks to the original and sort of continuing plot threads that were either left dangling or you know were not fully resolved or were left open-ended at the very least um i think that's i think that's a big strength that you can do when you're carrying forward a franchise where the mechanics are completely different, but it is the same physical and historical space that mm-hmm. is, you know, has had a large period of time pass. It gives you opportunities to sort of simultaneously break new ground while also giving you answers to things that. Yeah. that you I think have. a lot of Guild Wars players, Guild Wars of One players, would agree with me that they haven't. It seems like they haven't done that much in Guild Wars in the three or four years that it's been out now. Not, yeah, not not a ton. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's some cool, some cool interplay between things from Guild Wars One and Guild Wars Two, especially with the Char. You know, having seen how they developed things after you know their rebellion against the um, the Flame Legion, the Flame Legion, and how they've sort of taken care of the Ascalon area and the whole ghosts of Ascalon persisting. Like, there's been some cool connections between them, but. Um, but there's there is a lot that they still can tap for sure, especially if we, you know, especially if we start including the expansions like the other continents. I mean, you know, those are pretty much completely untouched in Guild Wars Two. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, yeah. So that was that was sort of a quick, ish, not exactly quick, uh, recounting of what happens in the story sort of impressions spirit did you have anything you wanted to add about the last two story instances that we just talked about primordis is active are we not going to talk about that uh i mean oh that was the very last thing when was it the last thing timey has a radio communicator also a spy device they make jokes about it all the time that she's listening to what you're saying i think there was a funny spot where one of the pack commanders like one of the pact members were like commander did your backpack just talk yeah, yeah, I loved that. They're like, and she's yeah, your your character's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, just ignore that. <laughs> yeah, um, that was the, like the last line, one of the last lines of Primordius is now active, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, actually it was kind of fun. I I had done the last story instance with Jalinar from Chronicles of Tyria, and he was like, I just you know I just want to go with you as you do it for the first time and hear your reactions. And I was sort of chatting. I made some snide comments about uh, Lazarus's uh, armor on his chest or lack thereof in the Peck regions. Um, and I was just sort of laughing and, and making some snide comments about it. And then Timey goes, you know, Commander, I've got some news. Uh, Primordus is active. And I just, like, my whole demeanor changed. I was like, oh, 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 man, that is a wrench that I did not anticipate. 
Yeah. So, I, I guess like the question is, what do they mean exactly by active? Because Primordius yeah. was the first to wake up, wasn't he? Or it? Well, his no, his yeah. uh, lieutenant was the first to wake up, and that was uh, Eye of the North, the yeah, end boss the great for Eye of the North. Yeah. Which is interesting. The Great Destroyer is you know this legendary is a lieutenant to Primordius, and is this legendary mythical thing in the Tome of Rubicon, which is you know dwarven lore. Well, but at the end of Eye of the North, after you beat the Great Destroyer, the whole cutscene shows like a great lava-y dragon eye awaking deep down below you. Like, I, I thought there was something that indicated, and maybe it was after we got, after we got into Guild Wars Two, that he's kind of gone back to sleep. It's an artificial. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. It was an artificial pre-awakening because of whatever's going on, and the fact that um, our heroes in the first game stopped the Great Destroyer kind of slowed him down. Maybe I'm yeah. making this up. I mean, it may have just sort of set him back, and he wasn't moving around. Like he, because Kralkatorik sort of woke up, flew across the desert, you know, scarified a whole bunch of dudes, and then just sort of like hasn't done. And that seems anything. to be the pattern because that's what um, Jormak has done as well. Yeah, it seems like all of and and I mean part of this may be us sort of rationalizing the fact that they mm-hmm. only have so much development time, but it seems like the dragons all kind of woke up went somewhere and then started chilling again and so maybe maybe by active timey sort of means that you know he's on the move again or like starting to do rumblings rather than just sort and of I think chilling the out obvious connotation is that the uh, magic pulse from the death of Mordremoth has has done something to to aggravate this waking i think, I think that's that a can fair be fair supposition i think that can be yeah supposed well, I mean, because the same thing happened with Morgamoth and, um, well, I mean, not necessarily directly that we can prove, but with Zaitan, it's like Zaitan died, and then all of a sudden, it's like Morgamoth started going. Yeah, you know, which haven't we oh. found something in some sort of ancient knowledge somewhere that Morgamoth is usually the last one to awaken? I have no idea. I thought we thought we got something that indicated that may have been the case at least during the last cycle. So Spirit sounded like she had a raging thought. Yeah, so, yeah. So here's a question for you. Uh, it's kind of interesting that we have a main villain set up, right? We've got the dragons, uh, and you know we should be working on on fighting the dragons. But now we've got this sort of side villain who's shown up. Uh, coincidentally, at the same time that we've killed Mordremoth, because killing Mordremoth was what allowed him, I believe, to come back into power because it overcharged the bloodstone yeah we did right. kind of it recharged the res sig did we, we recharge the res sig yeah. we did did skip we over just... that there was uh what was that spirit did we just pull out a joker this like <laughs> oh my gosh did we just make Again. a huge like, yeah i i mean maybe for but, those but of you listening Paolo that Joko did not play like... guild wars one paulo joko is some undead lich that we woke up just so we could you know get across a desert and then never went back into care of this evil guy that you know has killed killed thousands of people. You know he rules uh, Elona as we know it right now. I mean, did did we wake him up or did we just sort of ally with him and then sort of? No, say, we woke him up. I think. Yeah, you no, know, we direct like there was a mission where we were like they were like don't touch that statue because it's gonna wake up Palawa Joker. And we we're like, what if we just? What if we just? What did? if we just touched it? Yeah, just yeah, touch it. Well, at least this time <laughs> it wasn't on purpose. Like. Yeah, we, we didn't expressly enough. wake up Lazarus. I mean, somebody did, right? But Codicus and his white mantle friends. But Which, there's a lot of interesting journals and uh, 
you know, text stuff to find in uh, Bloodstone Fen, which kind of gives you backstory on a lot of that. I think it kind of fills in if you hadn't done the raid, um, somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. We we did talk about those last week. Okay. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. Like you said, to sort of introduce a new villain that may or may not I be tangentially know. related. Like, I don't know. Is he going? We don't know if he's going to be a villain. You know, he kind of turned on the people that summoned I... him. I can't imagine that he's not going to be like the Mersat are just so, I mean, they pitched it in Guild Wars one as like shades of gray, like, right. Like they were, they were baddies. They were killing us, but they were doing it out of self-preservation, right? Like they were just worried about the continuation of their species. And so it was kind of gray. Uh, I can't imagine a situation in which uh, Mersat is not a villain in some form. They're just too out for themselves to have any altruistic motives. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think the closest thing we're going to get is just the fact that the Exalted are a lot like Mersat slash Jade Armors, but aren't. <laughs> Which worries me if maybe the Mersat will be able to, you know, enthrall them somehow. Yeah, that'd be cool. But then there's the Mersat. See, we learn, yeah, like you were saying, Guild Wars 1, there was the Shades of Grey. But in Guild Wars 2, especially with, I think it's one of the Ara Paths, we kind of learned that um, there are Mersat that, you know, are still gone. They're perhaps in the mists or something. Well, everybody's out in the mist because the mist is the multiverse. That is true. So, you know, surprise there. Yeah, the greatest plot device. But anyway, speaking of the mists, Spirit, would you like to start talking about fractals? Sure. Where would you like to start? I have been talking a lot for the last half hour. Where would you like to start? I have not run the new fractal yet. Have you guys? No. Uh, I have, yes. Why don't we talk about that first? Okay, so the new fractal is sort of an amalgamation of uh, a lot of old fractals. And I don't mean that in a... It's definitely not in a negative way. Like, a lot of people hear that and they're like, well, Arena is just using assets over and being lazy. Which, first of all, plenty of games reuse assets. It's a normal thing. It's not bad. And they did it in a very creative way. Uh, so that it doesn't necessary i mean it feels like some of the other fractals but it's supposed to and it's not too similar to the other fractals that it feels like a clone of any of them um so it's definitely not negative in a in the way that a lot of people are taking it it is a very cool experience and different um there are multiple sections that are reminiscent of other fractals for example you load in in the colossus fractal except there's no colossus there uh there's a giant Asuran city with platforms where the colossus should be so mm. you sort of fight your way through the beginning open up these doors start jumping around on these platforms like you would maybe in the asura fractal but instead of harpies there are golems with wings and then you know you sort like of come around angel this wings? corner and you're an ascalon sorry what about the wings like angel wings Oh, they're uh, they're actually straight up the Gemstar Hawkwings. Oh, okay. So uh, they're they have wings instead of the cat um, uh, costume yeah. thing. Yeah, they're uh, golem harpies. So you come around this this corner and you're an Ascalon, but Ascalon's not Ascalon. It has an Asura fractal floor. So this is basically like you're dreaming in fractals. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like a whole um, bunch of fractals have gotten all crazy chaosed up together, you might say. Yeah. yeah I wonder if yeah. this is something that we've created, we being the uh, players you know, interacting with it, something to do with uh, the lab. I don't know. That's kind of cool. 
or yeah. if it is tying into does it does it have any like quote unquote story elements tying it into this living story chapter? Yes, there are um or not the living story chapter, but there are very definitely uh story elements. There are in fact seven journals hidden around the fractal that you can go and collect to sort of get an idea of what's going on. And not only that, but while you're going through it, someone is talking to you and it's not Dessa. It is a male Asura who's oh. very offended that you have peeked into his experiment and he wants to get rid of you uh, immediately. He's not really sure how you got there. We're not really sure who he is or how he got there. Um, but you do gl- glimpse him very briefly at the end of the fractal, right? As you kill the boss, if you look over to the right, um, there's a sort of ghostly Asura figure labeled Mysterious Asura who's sitting there and sort of he talks to you for a little bit if you hang around. Maybe he's the head of the inquest. I don't know who he is. He has fabulous hair, though. I will say that. Asura with fabulous hair. Yeah. So he um, must have a personality disorder, too. He's just not as nice as Snaff. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's a couple... Uh, one of the cool things about the fractal is the middle boss the mini boss of the fractal has cat golems that have very defined profession skills. Uh, One of them is a thief. One is a druid. One is a necro. And I believe the other one is a dragon hunter. And they start with four of them and whichever one you kill last does not come back. So you're fighting this boss every 25%. He spawns these golems and he spawns them stronger. So you start at the beginning, they're just four normal mobs. You kill whichever one, the last one doesn't come back. You damage the main boss, he goes down to 75%, then he summons three mobs, and instead of being normal mobs, they're veterans. And they have more abilities. So finally, by the time you get him down to 25%, he's only got one mob left. It's a champion, and it has full-on class abilities. Like the druid one uses celestial avatar it's got dazes it's got heals it's got the moonbeam it is nasty at high levels i do not recommend getting dazed by that because it'll laser your entire group for about three seconds and it is awful 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 i was gonna say it sounds um, like you want to eliminate the druid early on that would yeah, be my guess there is an achievement for doing each one last mm-hmm. so you know you're incentivized to to try each of them once I hope that the uh, Druid one references Willow the Unpleasant, because that's immediately what I thought of. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Guild Wars 1 and Mersat called Those Mersats that just don't die. Mersat. Is Mersat the plural of Mersats? Mersat? Mersats? I, Mersats I think is. It is. I think they're singular and plural. The Precious is Mersats is. That's what I feel like I had to say. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I was going to say this. The, uh, the Necro one actually uses Epidemic on you. Wow. <laughs> 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 yeah. That was pretty cool when I saw the. Did he just cast Epidemic on us? Oh no! So it was very. Uh, we've and we've talked a number of times recently, uh, both with Bloodstone Fend and just sort of reminiscing about the War in Krita. How it's very yeah. cool when these like sort of OP player abilities get used against you, and you're like, oh no, I know what your tricks are. Yeah, then you just get your necros. You just run all necros, and then <laughs> you transfer the conditions back. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going for the achievement to kill that guy. Sure. Or you just do it anyway. Uh, I haven't done all of them yet, but I know that the uh, Dragon Hunter one uses the trap that damages you when you cross it. Mm. And the thief actually stealths and backstabs you. Oh, good lord. Yeah. I bet so, that hurts from a champion. Oh, yeah. Um, they are quite nasty. But I've, I've really enjoyed fighting them. I haven't had much of an issue, but um, 
it seem and I I will admit that I generally do fractals with a pre-made group. There's a group of us who usually go most nights, and uh, we've got two necros and a druid, and we're uh, a very tanky setup, mm-hmm. and also very experienced and work together. It's uh, actually part of the Trivco raid group from Relics, so we're all. I was gonna say as soon as you said two necros, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. We have been able to one-shot this fractal most nights. I don't think we've ever wiped on the last boss, but we had a pug one night who was like, man, you guys joined the right group. This group just one-shot that chaos boss. And so apparently people are having more difficulty with it than I'm realizing, but I'm not pugging it, so I don't really care. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> so what you're telling me is never, ever pug it. Uh, that- I don't think it's that difficult, period. Um, it's certainly no bloom hunger, which we can talk about in a, a little bit here. Is it only um, at scale a hundred? No, it's there is at least one in each tier, and sort of they're oh, okay. sort of spread out. I believe the lowest is thirteen, and the highest is ninety nine. Oh, okay. And my um, train is still one hundred. Correct. So the last boss, uh, there's another segment after the mini boss where, uh, actually, is really really cool. There's a jumping puzzle in there, Eric. I know you'll find it eventually. Um bit of a jumping puzzle that goes up to a node and a very very cool uh oh god i'm forgetting what it's called the crazy crazy movie with the eye inception sorry uh for some reason i could not remember i was like infusion what uh yeah so inception uh if you can think of some of the the scenes in that movie where there's bridges just like folding 90 degrees and the whole city sort of like rides up Uh uh-huh it's very much that they're like uh, Ascalonian buildings stacked in an arch on top of each other that gradually turn into jade buildings and then just into the jade fractal, which then melts into the snowline fractal. Oh my god, I need to see very, this. Very, very cool. So it's like, okay, if fractals, as we knew them before this, were something peering into events of history that may or may, or may not have happened in Arteria, this is as if some male Azura has peered into the history of what Dessa has been doing. Possibly. I have no idea. I really haven't paid much attention to the, the lore surrounding it. I'm sure people who have, have a better idea of what's going on. I just sort of uh, look up and open my mouth every time. Like, damn, that's pretty. And <laughs> then I kill the boss. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, Cause I think the thing is that the, the fractals are sort of like, I don't know how I'd describe it. They're they're like echoes of things that have happened, like because the mists are the sort of raw creative force of the multiverse interior, mm-hmm. at least as we know it. And so, like, it's kind of this idea that they're like sort of just these these echoes from big from and we're big peering into those echoes, happened. right? But like also because of the fact that. Um, the mist themselves are sort of the forces of creation and everything exists within the mist. It's also possible to, from, you know, like, obviously this is purely conjecture, but I could imagine it being possible to sort of create your own, like, if you had, if, yeah, if you had a great enough understanding to be able to sort of like muster those forces to create your own place. I mean, like the observatory, for example, Mm -hmm. like, um so maybe this is like some attempt to harness these things for some sort of great energy or maybe it's um maybe it's like an after effect of you know uh the the dragons dying and or 
the bloodstones and or all sorts of craziness so yeah i don't know yeah i kind of think what you're getting at is how what you're saying how that how we think it works is how Glint was able to uh, see the future. I think she removed herself away from Tyria far enough, far enough into the mists to um, do her prophecy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway. Anyway. Tinfoil hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you you sort of progress through Snowblind for a little bit. There's some new mechanics in Snowblind, which I'll I'll talk about there. But basically. Uh, you get a special action skill, which only lights a tor- uh, bonfire once, and there are four bonfires, so you have to get each, you know, enough people through this segment where you're running. Um, it has been fondly, fondly, I guess, called hentai forest, because <laughs> there are jade maw tentacles everywhere. Ah, I see. Which you have to evade to get through the forest. Delightful. Um... Yep, so you navigate your way through through this forest of tentacles, and you end up at uh, the final boss. He is a char with super saiyan hair and a great sword. Of course um, he is. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't strike me like the boss. It's called the, oh goodness, champion brazen gladiator or something. He doesn't strike me as anything more than a mercenary right now. That mm-hmm. perhaps this like mysterious Asura has hired. He isn't particularly interesting on his own. Oh come on, they're lifelong pals. <laughs> um, what he does that's interesting is he has a lot of mechanics. So he's got you know by himself he's got a great sword. The third attack on the great sword attack chain dazes, and then after fifty percent he he gets a break bar and he'll pull you in. And spin, which we've seen on a number of bosses. Not anything too exciting. I think that's actually it for his mechanics. Because uh, what also is on that platform are the crushers from Molten Furnace. Mm-hmm. And the lit up disco floors from Aetherblade. And the higher you go, if you go uh, into, say, a level 13 or a level 30 chaos, you're going to notice that the platform... Like, it goes in a square pattern around the platform and then uh, sort of picks up in the later phases. If you go in at 99, the platform is constantly changing very fast, goes through a number of, like, maybe six or seven different sort of patterns. There's checkerboard, there's the rotating one, there's... uh, slightly modified checkerboard where there are two two spaces next to each other that are safe or dangerous um there's just a number it is a lot of fun you're gonna have to move your feet a lot um and he summoned the number of ads none of those mechanics are particularly complicated in any way uh but it seems that they all add up to being a rather difficult boss and i think um Definitely, you can tell with uh, Bloom Hunger. They said outright on the forums, basically, they are looking at ways to bridge gaps between sort of high level five man content and raids. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I, I generally generally get this sense with the newer fractals. They're trying to push healers in high level fractals, and I think if you go in with a healer or some kind of character that is more support or defensive based you are going to have a lot easier time doing those high-level fractals than if you don't. I've noticed that since the last 
since the rebalance um, of fractals, it was a rebalance. I don't know when they shortened uh, a few. The first one they shortened, uh, what should we call it, cliffside. Mm-hmm. And I was doing fractals. It was right when they made the change, so you couldn't. Um, it wasn't swamp swampdles. Remember that it was like what six months ago? Yeah. yeah, swamps of the mist. Yeah, swamps of the mist. It changed, so it wasn't that. And I was running my revenant, um, and I was doing fractals almost every day just before that. And I was noticing that too, even back then. That um, unless I was with a really experienced group, and when you're pugging, you don't know what you're going to get. Unless I was with a really experienced group, it was better for me to take um, centaur stance or um, whatever the centaur as a revenant than. Uh, is Revenant the right is Radiator? I always get confused in the show. What is it? What they are? Yes, Revenant. <laughs> anyway, the Revenant. Um, take the, take the Centaur stance to add some healing. I'd be much more successful, usually with a pug, than with straight DPS. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting to know. So yeah, I think that's cool that they're making that change and making healers re- relevant, even though originally mm-hmm. they wanted to stay away from the Holy Trinity. I don't know if they've gone to it, but yeah. Anyway, you're saying spirit. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's all I've got to say about chaos, unless you guys have any particular questions about it. No, I just need to get in and do it myself. Mm-hmm. It is too. very cool visually. Like, I highly recommend, even if you're not super into fractals, that you, you know, go with some friends to a low level and just check it out once, because it's a very, very cool thing to see just once. Oh, also, at high levels, if you do go and do it at a T4, there is a special greatsword skin, which is the one that I believe both Kodakus has, and... Or it, it is seen in the living story somewhere because people are talking about it. Uh, and is also the one that the Chaos boss wields. Um, that skin is a guaranteed drop for you if you complete that fractal at T4. So. Oh, cool. And it's a new unique skin? Mm-hmm. Cool. Nice. It's always nice to get uh, unique skins, like, guaranteed. It's yeah. Not off the skin. gym store. Yeah, skins have always been one of those uh, sore points for us with uh, certain acquisition methods or lack thereof. So I'm glad to hear that there's a new unique one for doing the new content. That's that's pretty great. So are we uh, on to fractals then? Fractals. Raids? Uh, um, I mean, I should talk about Snowblind and Swampland really quick. Um, Snowblind is going to be super fast. They changed some of the mechanics there, but not uh, basically what you do through the fractal. So you, you start out... You have to light the big bonfire, but it doesn't just stay lit now. Now you have to throw firewood at it to keep it lit. Doesn't really change what you were doing at the beginning. Just makes it less yeah, annoying and sort of you more can't engaging. Speed it up. Yeah. Oh, you know, they, they killed my torch stab meta. So bad. Yeah. Um, then you go to the, what's it, the ice elemental who's had its mechanics changed again. So he doesn't spawn, he doesn't teleport you, he doesn't spawn the vicious ice elemental adds that were a pain in the butt. But there are five fires around him, and the more fires you have lit, I believe, the more damage he takes and the less mechanics you have. So you're sort of, instead of grouping up on one bonfire, bunkering down, being grumpy the whole time, you sort of have to spread out and run firewood and keep those fires lit. And then the the final boss also got a rework, but not a drastic one, I would say. He still does sort of the same things, except he has adds now. And he his go up on the ledge and drop icicles thing is a percentage-based thing now that lasts until you kill the adds down there. The one thing that he does that is a little bit scary now is he has a particular add that does an AoE freeze that's like the freeze on Icebow 5. And if 
your whole party or a significant amount of your party gets caught in that, holy carp, does that change what's going on immediately. Other than that, he's not not much of a threat anymore. Does this um, change the time it takes to do that freckle? Uh, not really. I would say it's less of an annoyance now. There's You spend less time like standing in frostbite waiting for people to spawn or anything and mm. you're less likely to wipe on the ice elemental so that's good but pugging you know. was rough on the higher levels yeah i think it yeah it just mainly took away some some annoyances uh but it's not going to cut anything major out of it the swampland fractal on the other hand uh previously the king of fractals for ease and shortness quickness uh is now quite terrifying pretty much the only difference is they have changed bloom hunger to be the final boss every time uh they made moss man a mini boss in the middle he does not have nearly as much health he is not even remotely as scary as he used to be uh but holy crap bloom hunger is a right nightmare um I would go so far as to say that in his current balance phase at higher levels, he is harder than probably half of the raid bosses. Um, they have said outright already that, you know, that wasn't their intention. It is overscaled a little bit. They're going to look at scaling it back. But uh, I, he might be my favorite boss in the game right now. Really? <laughs> I just have to say it. Yeah, he is not like anything else in Guild Wars 2 right now. He is now mobile very mobile. He will charge at you from across the room, sort of like uh, you know how ice brood move? Where they they do that sort of like the big ice brood where they, they charge at you and like lift you up and throw you or whatever. He's got that move. He pounces. If he grabs you, he's got sort of like how the, the vine tooth will pin you down. But he doesn't just pin you down. He does uh, AOE circles and punches you repeatedly over and over and over again while he's got a break bar. So your teammates can break you out of that break bar, but uh, and if they don't, you're probably going to die. But he also does AOEs and rings around him. So like, think like a like a archery target where there are multiple rings and like certain ones are safe and certain ones are not. And he does that in a pattern until your the bar is broken, you're dead, or he's finished punching whichever comes first. Uh, then he shakes aggressively and throws stuff everywhere that's just what he does when he's not phasing so he is completely invulnerable unless you drag him to a specific area in the map which moves around uh in that area you get 100 percent endurance regen on top of whatever you've already got and you need it because he will womp you if you are not dodging those things um when you get him to 75 percent He'll go into the middle and start spawning massive waves of ads and think like, uh, there's not really anything to compare it to in Guild Wars, but other games where, you know, you have those sort of like waves of tiny little minions coming from a boss. It's very much like that. Uh, and it's mosquitoes, uh, scalp, samoths, wolves, uh, just all sort of swamp creatures for, and you have to survive for a solid two minutes. And then he spawns a champion ochre. Doesn't sound that threatening, but all of these creatures are invulnerable when they are not in the green circle with you. And that oak heart is nasty because 
you probably can't kill him before Bloom Hunger comes back and starts doing what he was doing before, where he pounces on you, uh, you know, throws his bad juju everywhere. It is a very high pressure fight, and we lose people constantly. I mean, this is the same group that I run, you know, we don't have any trouble with the Chaos Fractal. If you get caught out, you are probably going to die. And I, I mean, I have to go full healing for this. As a druid, I get, um, you know, my, my raid gear on and search and rescue and protect me in case people go down. And I've got stun breaks and CCs. And I have to be using all of my available tools to keep myself and, you know, as many of my party members as I can alive. It's pretty crazy. Um, so that happens once more. And at 25%, he goes to the middle. And you have to do the wisp run from the beginning while he is channeling a big attack. And if you don't make it in time, he will down everyone in your party. So I think ain't it saying that everyone got a little too good at the wisp run. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is, I will say it's not exactly like the beginning. It's the same mechanics, but uh, it takes place in that room. The wisps and orbs are in set locations. And as long as you know roughly where to go, you will probably have time to do it. Uh, it is somewhat impeded by the fact that he throws, like, the poison blossoms from TA everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to be taking a lot of Condi damage while you're doing that. But it's not particularly difficult once you know what's going on. The first time you see it, you probably uh, put you on your butt. But after that, it's relatively easy to deal with. Um, no, uh, go on. So there's one more thing. Under 25%. The entire room lights up green, and he spawns his waves of minions constantly while doing all of his attack. And it's sort of a race to kill him before he kills you. It's, it's, there, ArenaNet's done, uh, with a number of bosses in this patch, and more and more lately, they've done sort of a, the last percentage of a, of a boss's health is this sort of like all-out, um, really stressful moment. Sort of where it's not just like he does this phase and then he does this phase and then he does this phase and then the last one is all of them combined. Uh, and in Mossman, it or not in Mossman, sorry, in uh, Bloom Hunger is a really cool sort of experience that last twenty five percent. I really really enjoy Bloom Hunger now. If you can't tell, like I just find it so much fun. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty drastic set of changes. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, he used to stand still and just sort of wiggle, and then you'd reflect everything, and then he'd die. <laughs> yeah, nothing, I say. I remember for the longest time, nothing would break his break bar. Like There were like three different things that would do it, and you had to hope you had that class that did it or something. I don't know how it worked. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering why they chose to do that with uh, Bloomhunger instead of the new Fractal. Why change an existing one so radically? Well, I, mean, I think they've been wanting to rework some of the sort of no-brain fractals, both because they're not interesting, but also because they're pushing people to do different fractals instead of the more flexible, like, do any three. Um, you know, it it does just sort of exposes the parts where, it, you know, where people are getting frustrations because they air quote have to do these ones more often where before they may have just skipped them or chose them deliberately because they were trivially easy um mm -hmm. so i you know i i think it's good that they're reworking it but i mean we did get new stuff too so anyway yeah that's a lot of changes um yeah really the only other i mean unless there was something else you wanted to talk about with fractal slash the the ones you were just talking about um uh well, we should probably talk about it. Uh, infusion changes. 
I was going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, the only was... other thing was the infusion changes, which... <sighs> yeah. I agree with what is in the notes for the most part. It's like... Infusion is one of those things... Agony Resist is one of those things where when it first came out, it was like... I kind of hand-waved it and was like, okay, well, if you're really into, like, gear progression, I guess that's a moderately inoffensive way of accomplishing it because it only matters in this one type of dungeon and it's not, like, a regular stat boost and, you know, whatever. So I kind of didn't care that much, but... The combination of the fact that fractals have had hugely long dry spells, but also like that ex- infusions have changed several times in their like in the course of it, and every time they seem to get more and more complicated or just sort of arbitrarily done. The fact that they sort they of seem to be getting complicated up, for complication's sake and aren't adding that much depth, in my opinion. Yeah, and like so, they they cleaned that up in the sense that now there's only one type of infusion. And, you know, it's a little bit more, you're not having to make a trade off as much to get stat infusions, but like, I just, after, after struggling and re-gearing and re-infusing myself like Mm -hmm. twice, I kind of have had enough and I just like, haven't like, it's just having all of my infusions suddenly be like invalid air quotes. Like they work, but they don't work with the new system for some weird reason. Like I, I don't understand why they wouldn't just make them the same type of infusions that work in the new system. Like I, I just, I don't get it. And I guess there's some sort of refund you can do if you like take them out of them and then you take them to a trader and then they give you fractal relics. And like, I didn't quite understand why all of a sudden you log into a character and it's like, Oh, these don't work anymore. Here's the refund. And like you said, go to a trader. I I haven't sorted it out because it just feels so annoying to have to relearn the system again. Yeah, which, like, I mean, and they, they work in the sense that they give you the agony that they gave you, agony mm-hmm. resist that they gave you before, but they they don't, like, play nicely with the other infusions. And so, like, to be perfectly honest, that's a big part of why I haven't bothered to go back into Fractals is because it's like, mm-hmm. well, I lost some agony resist by losing it on my, what, like, amulet slot or whatever. And yeah. so yeah, now amulet is I'm only not... utility now, or they're calling it something else. Yeah, so... The reason you got, you know, agony back in the mail is they took the infusion slot out of the amulet and they said, this is an enrichment slot. This is only for uh, what was previously an infusion. They're now calling enrichments. Um, They give, they're from Laurel Vendors. They give karma, magic find, gold find, or experience. One of those things you can put in your amulet. You cannot put agony resistance in it. So all of us who had agony resistance in our amulets got an infusion back in the mail, which was the one that we had in our amulet, and sort of, like, I like that I can now use some of those infusions that I had bought, or, sorry, enrichments, they're enrichments now. I'm going to call, I'm still going to call things skill points forever, don't even worry about it. Um, I, I like that I can use some of those that I've had lying around for years, or I had amulets where... Like, this is my magic find amulet, and this is my agony resist amulet, and I am going to switch them between fractals, because I totally remember to do that, and I never did. So I've got a few enrichments on different amulets that have just never been used, except for maybe the one time I bought them. Yeah, uh, same it's here. Nice you go to build a new, new build, and you're like, oh, I don't have a place for this um, utility infusion thing. Yeah. Uh, what was annoying to me... As a person who had 150 AR 
which is the max you need on multiple characters, sadly, before the change. Uh, I had to pay around 30 gold for each character. I haven't done it for all of them yet because I'm not that inclined to to make up the difference of the 7 AR because I couldn't just upgrade my plus 7s to plus 9s. I had to turn in my plus 7s for fractal relics. Those fractal relics were no longer relevant to getting AR for me. And so I had to spend gold on, you know, getting three, I think it was about three new plus 9s to make up the six or so, six or seven or so. I mean, it doesn't have to be exact uh, difference from what I had before to what I need now. So it's a pain in the butt if you're a veteran, but I've already seen a big difference with people getting into fractals, higher level fractals, because before either they didn't have, you know, there were a number of reasons they couldn't get that sort of agony resistance, uh, which weren't necessarily gold. Sometimes it was because you couldn't get more slots because you couldn't afford more Ascended gear. Well, now you can put higher um, AR in different kinds of gear, which means that you don't need all those Ascended slots. Uh, before, maybe they couldn't infuse their rings because they didn't run fractals enough to get that stupid Shard of the Mist Crystal Essence, whatever it is. Uh, now those are on vendors, so you can get your rings infused without having to bend over backwards to do so if you if you need that. So it's a lot more flexible in terms of how you go about it. And also, I one thing I do have to say is that it's a lot easier to go about piecemeal and not overwhelmingly. So you you accumulate all these plus ones, you turn them into the vendor. It's a stack plus six and three gold fifty, I think, for a plus nine which you get in about, you get the plus ones in two days of fractals, plus... Um, well, two days of, like, high-level fractals. Okay, high-level fractals. Where you get a bunch of, like, duplicate rewards. But anyway, yes. Yeah, uh, plus 10 gold per day of fractals. So you'll probably get extra gold out of yeah. your fractals, and it costs around sort of 10 gold for a plus nine. Um, for those of you who are running fractals, you've already got your... AR up. You don't need to worry about that. It also drove the price of plus ones up to like two silver. So they're not completely worth this anymore. If you decide to sell your plus ones, you're going to get about, especially if you're running uh, T4s like I do, you're going to get 2.5 to 3 gold per day out of plus ones as well. So you're making about 13 gold per day out of junk items and infusion, not including you know any other drops, linseed oil, mystic coins you might get out of fractal. Cool. Yeah, it's just I mean, really complicated. Like you said, it's it's a much better sounding system for the new players or the less experienced players because now there's only one type of infusion. It it just is one of those things where it just makes me have to ask like why didn't they do that before? Like when they added all these yeah. extra in, like like who whatever. I I don't want to turn this into a giant gripe about it, but it's like that's my frustration is it's like they've air quote fixed or improved this system multiple times and it's taken them this long to just like turn it into a simple one type of infusion system but in the process of doing that they've like broken everybody's existing stuff and so it's just like which is kind of it's kind of like too little too late for some people because i remember back when i was first trying to get over over like what 100 fusion um i lost shouldn't say lost stopped playing with in-game friends 
because they had an AR that I couldn't reach in a reasonable manner. So they fixed it and made that made it so that you can do it now, but it didn't help me, you know, back in the day. Uh, yeah, I mean the same thing happened with me. Like the I just did not want to play fractals nearly enough to keep up with, you know, the twit guilders or the RO that like wanted to do the high level fractals. And so then it sort of just became like, while I could sort of wait or beg for a group to do a lower level fractal, like I just didn't, I wasn't on at the right times. And then I just kind of stopped like it, you know, and that's not to say that anybody's not willing to help. Like we're, we're very friendly guilds, but it's just like when sort of the, quote like main players that i was playing with sort of moved on into higher tier fractals then it was just like well yeah all right well guess that's guess that's that so yeah so we're now an hour 10 into this and we haven't addressed the fan mail yet do you want to put off raid balance for another week spirit yes i can my voice is starting to go okay i'd rather talk about the fan mail okay well why don't we just get right into that and then wrap this thing up uh, who wants to read it? Um, I guess since I read the last fan mail, I'll read this one. Unless someone else wants to read it. Why don't you read it? You're, you know, you're not on as often, so we'll we'll give you more work. <laughs> All right. Hi, relics. Uh, is it? Do I need to do an introduction besides hi, relics for this mail, or should I just read it? Uh, you just read it. Okay. Hi, relics. I know the Guild Wars Two community is divided on the subject of Traherne, with many feeling that Traherne is Guild Wars Two's Cormier. Even knowing that a vocal portion's community hates Traherne, am I the only one that was offended that Anet spent an entire episode of LS3 to honor air, but Traherne barely got a passing mention? Especially for the non-Norn races, and those exist spirit. Traherne had a much larger role in the original personal story than air. In the pen- penultimate personal story episode, the source of Orr, when Traherne completes his wild hunt, he even says that he's glad it's just you, the other player, and him at the end. Even if Ana agrees with the, excuse me. Even if Ana agrees with part of the community and feels too much of the story was centered on Traherne, doesn't the player character de- deserve as much, if not more, closure for Traherne as we do for Air? That's really who memorials are for. Are for after all, the living. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on how Ana handled this, Solstice. I feel thoroughly accused. Thanks, Solstice. I said that a little mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I know Solstice, and I know you're cool with it. I I I bet there are other races besides Norn. I just like one best right now, truthfully. <laughs> uh, I mean, so I know that Solstice sort of addressed it in saying that you know they know that people thought that Anet spent too much time on on Traherne slash on Silvari already, but like that is that is sort of a major argument, right? Is that like so much of the story has already gone to Silvari and to Traherne that like saying saying that because they're a big part of the story they should continue to be a big part of the story because they're a big part of the story to your character basically just means that they continue to be a big part of the story like if you only have so many episodes to put in characters and and different elements like if your problem is that you've overly focused on one group too much then like you're either going to just like keep focusing on that group because you know sort of quote it makes sense to your character or you know you're just gonna have to put the spotlight on other people so do i think that's a great argument and it makes perfect sense from a developmental standpoint and um, pleasing the overall uh, community i do think this is symptomatic of what guild wars tends to do and they will follow a vocal uh majority and i don't know if it's a majority or just someone who's vocal 
um, in you know doing things that the community seems to bemoan, um, or not doing things that they bemoan, re- uh, responding to the bemoaning is what I'm trying to say. And I don't know. It seems to me like there's a pattern of that, and I think the Anet should just do what they want to do. You know, if the if the community is complaining about something, write the story you want to write, see it through. Um, if it's bad, learn from it. Don't um, uh, gerrymander it and change it up um, before it's finished. That's my opinion. But, but I mean, like, what if learning from it is to address the things that people are not liking? I mean, the it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if they completely ignore what's frustrating people, then like eventually those people are just going to go away because they're just going to get tired of it. And yeah, but if you had a then you can do something a little different. You don't need to kill Traherne. If he had a um, an ultimate goal for him to be someone in the story, unless this is really where they wanted to kill him, and they're not just uh, going to where going where the 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 vocal majority wants them to, um, I think they should you know maybe just take some some focus off of him and bring him where you wanted. If if there was a further goal, because it just seems to me like they're taking him out because the community doesn't like him. Uh, I mean, I guess, but like he also was sort of fulfilling that you know like noble martyr trope. So I mean, yeah, and I guess only Anet can know if they were wanted to, if they were done with him or not. If they weren't done with him, I think they should yeah. have continued him on. That's my, I, my my take. I sort of feel, you know, I didn't really notice it. I don't particularly. I don't hate Traherne, but I also don't particularly care for him. So I didn't have this moment of, you know, oh, but why aren't we worrying about him? Until you know, I got I started reading this mail from Solstice, and I was like, I think that's actually a really good point. Um. I tend to feel that it's not necessarily that they want to exclude him or that they aren't going to deal with it at any point and more that this is the story they're telling right now. Um, And just it's unfortunately slow compared, you know, in the in-game time compared to how much time has elapsed out of game. Right. Where, uh, you know, in-game period, not that much time has passed. Uh, We, you know the amount of story they're able to create to show what has happened just isn't able to keep up with maybe the events that they're introducing, which Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, Well, I guess it's a bad thing, but uh, you know, I'm not sure if it's just a fact or if there's something that they're not doing correctly. Uh, I think is a more accurate way of phrasing it. I would guess um that we'll probably get a little bit more resolution to Traherne when um whenever we see the pact again like out in force um we we did see them a little bit in this patch but more sort of as a you know here's what's going on with the pact sort of thing not that they're a driving force in the story or particularly active right now um you know, like we talked about before with Primordus being active, maybe we'll see them a bit more in the next episode where they're, you know, whatever the pact is going to do uh, in anticipating this threat. We, I guess I assume that Timey will be notifying them. Uh, we'll probably meet whoever the new marshal is. We were offered that job, but we turned it down. So somebody's got to do that. Um, I just think whenever, whenever they're ready to talk about it is probably when we'll hear uh, a bit more about Traherne. But I think it's sort of sad also that we didn't, um, like, yeah, we didn't get anything about Traherne really afterward. Uh, you know, I well, don't. I mean, particularly... I'd point out that more time has passed between Air's death and Air's memorial than Traherne's death and Air's memorial. That's a good point. That is true. Like, that's, um, I mean, I think that's just what it comes down to is like, 
in the end, what Solstice is feeling is exactly what everybody who is a big fan of Air has been feeling ever since that chapter, where she sort of just died, and then you're like, okay, thanks, bye, and then <laughs> was never mentioned again for six chapters of story. Like, I mean, I get it, but that's... I mean, it's it's pretty much just the shoes on the other foot now. It's like, yeah, you know, Traherne just died last chapter. Like, Air's been dead for six chapters. Like, so... I mean, yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe we will get a memorial for him. Maybe they'll like erect a statue for him in Lion's Arch. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I was thinking. I was sort of getting at where we, you know, I can understand maybe not giving him a whole instance, and especially you know with the constraints of whatever they're able to do or not. Uh, I can understand not doing two full memorial instances, especially because they're very, uh, you know, as well done as Ayers was, and how much I really liked it. Um, it's something not a lot of players like, and so to, like a lot of people roll their eyes, like, oh, we have to do this RP. There's no fighting, you know. There's no action. I know, I'm not it. into it. Yeah, I can't skip the cutscenes. Like, I just think, you know, I can see them not doing two of those for the those sort of reasons. Um, but it is a bit sad that we didn't get like, you know, in in Traherne's home instance or whatever in the Grove or you know, a statue in Lion's Arch, that there's not these sort of, you know, just little touches. I think that could have been really cool. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's fair. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's complicated. I mean, it, in the end, I think really it just comes down to development resources and they, you know, they only have so much time to make so many instances while they're also working on the next expansion and other living story and other maps. And like, you know, like you said, it's, as much as the instance was well done, I don't think it was well enough done that people are going to want to do it twice. And I don't think they had the resources to do two of them. And yeah, I mean, that's just uh, that's just how it goes. So, I mean, hopefully, like I said, hopefully we'll get some sort of memorial, like maybe in Lion's Arch um, or, or something like that in the future. Uh, I mean, I do think it would be worth addressing for sure. So, and I mean, I also think that he's been somewhat redeemed of his Cormier status in the story because, you know, I mean, we've talked about this a lot that similar to Cormier in, in the base story, like the, the reason the comparison gets drawn is there's a lot of this character tagging along being useless while your character does the actual work. And then that character sort of getting the credit and the like recognition from everybody else for doing it. Um, and, you know, they've, they really made the relationship feel a lot more authentic and made him feel a lot more like a leader in these living story chapters. The writing has been a lot better. The voice acting has been a lot better. Like, you know, they've sort of redeemed his Cormier status, I think, or at least, at least in my opinion, they have. I'd agree with that. Um, which is, which is fantastic. I mean, that's, you know, it's just a mm -hmm. lot, it's a lot more satisfying, both from a storytelling perspective, but also just, you know, just in general. So, yeah. So, but you know, I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a it's a good male. If I had to choose between the two, I would say Air just because of how, um, at least Air for now, just because of how abruptly that was dropped. Also, um, but maybe that's just me. I would also choose Air for Norns. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Even though I am a Silvari Silvari uh, main race, so to speak, I, even I even I can uh, empathize with wanting some other races to get some story spotlight time. I think I'd rather have an instance with cutscenes I can skip, and maybe a statue for both Air and <laughs> Antrahern. I mean, well, that's fair. That's that's fair. So, alrighty. Well, Spirit, are you ready to close us out with the cast cast? Uh, sure. 
Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast, but the cast for the podcast and stuff, cast of other podcasts this week on CastCast. I didn't totally ruin it. Um, actually, as I was getting ready for the show this morning, uh, I found just in my Twitter feed, I didn't go out of my way to find it, it found me. Uh, there's a fan memorial event going on for Traherne uh, over the next couple days, and I've included, uh, it is an RP event, there is some things going on there, they're asking people to be, you know, re- re- respectful of other people's headcanons or whatever, so whatever you feel about Traherne, you get your chance to mourn him properly, and they're going to do a walk across Tyria for that. Uh, the link it will be in the show notes for you if you really want to check that out. It is going on on both North America and European servers. So if you didn't get your chance to mourn Traherne and you want to do that with other players, there's your chance. Um, and in addition to that, uh, Guild the lovely ladies and Hunter at uh, Guild Wars Reporter have had their 200th episode yesterday. Um, so congratulations, and you beat us. Yay! And everyone's still alive. Yay! 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 Yeah, and uh, we were talking before the show, right, about the tweets, not not on the show. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So if you guys are listening, we're sorry we didn't see your tweets until it was too late to send you audio clips for your 200th episode. So consider maybe this someday our, pre-show will be part of the show, but our half-hearted uh, attempt at giving you audio clips that are uh, not at all in time for when you wanted them. <laughs> So, oh, all right. Well, it has been an episode and thank you all for joining us. Thank you for joining us this week, Robin, and we will be back next week. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.